Ignite your curiosity with Austin next. We're watching Austin transform from a thriving ecosystem into a global superstar. With our host, Jason Scharf, we aspire to better comprehend the true nature of innovation. Together, we will uncover what makes a successful ecosystem and navigate the technologies shaping our future. Now let's dive into what's next. Austin is adapting to and building the future in real time. I'm Michael Scharf. We are exploring and driving our transformation into the next innovation powerhouse. I'm Jason Scharf. I'm a bio-researcher at UT to the assembly line worker at Tesla, from the musician on 6th Street to the coder at Dell. And with the founders, funders, and early employees of the next great startup, we are all Austin Next. So here we are at the end of the year. We're going to chew another one without a net, no, uh, no guest, just you and I kind of looking back on 2022 and looking forward to, of course, what's next. 2022 has been an interesting year in a lot of ways, both on a personal level as well as on the podcast level. And I think I'm looking forward to this conversation to kind of verbalize all those things that have happened in the last 12 months. We've only had a thousand and one of this conversation just not recorded. Yes, I think that's the one thing we should keep a recorder in our pocket. And every time you and I get together, just hit record for the fun of it. So I thought we would start off away from the podcast. I think the biggest questions that you and I tend to get is some form of what's your deal? Why are you doing this? What's behind it? You know, are you selling me something? Knowledge, that's what we're selling. Why don't you kind of start us off and what's your deal and what have you been up to the last year on things besides the podcast? Well, I'm going to agree with you first. This is the number one question we get. And it was really surprising at first to get this question of all the things people could have asked us. What's your deal? What are you doing? Okay. Outside the podcast, I sit on two boards I'm an active board member with both those companies, one's in the environmental space and one's in the energy space. So those areas are areas I care about a great deal. And those areas are areas that I are, am very opinionated on, especially if you guys have followed my LinkedIn posts over the last year. And so when I get the question, at first I was like, I don't understand. What do you, you know, I'm not trying to sell anything. I'm not looking for a job. I'm not looking for a, another board position. I'm not looking for anything from you. You half joked a minute ago. What are we selling? We're selling information and knowledge and we're giving it away, which is exactly what we should be doing. That's the sharing piece of Austin next. And let's be brutal. We started this podcast because we wanted to meet people in Austin. And we wanted to do it faster than we had where we used to live. I have no problem with that. I don't think anybody has any problem with that. That's 2020, 2021, and 2022. We've been here now through two years. 2023 is going to be different. Because 2023, I think, is our turn to start giving back to the community more. Raising issues that need to be raised. Looking to work with people in this community to find solutions. And I think that's the biggest change in terms of what are you up to that's going to be happening in 2023. 
as we think about as we're talking to different people, right? And we've been very observational. And yes, as we've, and we've been very transparent of this, right? So, you know, as we were kind of sitting back in fall of 2020, and as we were gearing up to move here, we had that kind of that three month stretch of we're not leaving yet, but we're, we're now we're leaving and kind of looked at what's the, you know, what's the, what's the niche and how can we meet interesting people? And, and I think also give back uh, in that same phrase, right? The, the idea of a podcast in general is, you know, providing some sort of information, some sort of value right away. I mean, I don't think we would have lasted this long if there wasn't any sort of value kind of going in. It's also been interesting as I've gotten that question. And I, and I joke always because I've gotten that question in that phrase once and ever since then. And I always laugh at this person now because it was, I think, asked from a point of confusion, but a, but a point of honesty, right? Like just trying to understand what, what you're doing in this, in this space. And, you know, now I'm, you know, become friendly with this person and kind of we've collaborated on a couple of things. So I, I don't ever, I haven't ever minded that question. I think it's, it's just people want to put you in boxes to understand. Now, from my perspective, I've been a slightly easier box to be put in because of, at least on the investor side, right? As an angel investor and doing a lot of different things like, oh, got it. You're, you're looking at, your deal is you're looking for deal flow. Yes, Obviously, the, the, you know, building up uh, the brand and having our opinions out there and whether you enjoy listening to my bio focus on the episodes uh, or you're like, I'm sick about hearing about this sector <laughs> is a whole different thing. But it kind of goes. But, you know, outside the podcast. Right. So it's been actually a, a bunch of different. I think I have a little a few more work streams kind of going at all at the same time, which uh, my wife in many ways is like, uh, you know, are we cutting back anything. What are we doing? So. For the last year or so, uh, I was working as a the VP of strategy sort of value kind of going in. It's also been interesting as I've gotten that question. And I, and I joke always because I've gotten that question in that phrase once and ever since then. And I always laugh at this person now because it was, I think, asked from a point of confusion, but a, but a point of honesty, right? Like just trying to understand what, what you're doing in this, in this space. And, you know, now I'm, you know, become friendly with this person and kind of we've collaborated on a couple of things. So I, I don't ever, I haven't ever minded that question. I think it's, it's just people want to put you in boxes to understand. Now, from my perspective, I've been a slightly easier box to be put in because of, at least on the investor side, right? As an angel investor and doing a lot of different things like, oh, got it. You're, you're looking at, your deal is you're looking for deal flow. Yes. Obviously, the, the, you know, building up uh, the brand and having our opinions out there and whether you enjoy listening to my bio focus on the episodes uh, or you're like, I'm sick about hearing about this sector <laughs> is a whole different thing. But it kind of goes. But, you know, outside the podcast. Right. So it's been actually a, a bunch of different things. I think I have a little a few more work streams kind of going at all at the same time, which uh, my wife in many ways is like, uh, you know, are we cutting back anything. What are we doing? So. For the last year or so, uh, I was working as a, the VP of strategy, product management, and partnerships at an at-home microbiome company. I uh, was there for about a year. Uh, if you think about at-home microbiome, think of like 23andMe, but we're you know, sequencing the gut bacteria and how does that uh, hit your health, right? So it's a really interesting experience, 100-person company, you know, by far the smallest thing I've ever been part of you know, really diving into the consumer space. So great experience, learned a ton. So that was, uh, so that was interesting. Then also learned, you know, not everything works out, right? Some of these, you know, being a startup slash growth company 
and especially now we're seeing in this recessionary environment is it's tough, right? It's tough, especially when you're aimed at consumer and trying to be, you know, you want to be, you know, painkillers, not vitamins, right? And I think the consumer health space is going through consolidation in that and going through a real look at of how necessary are the things that we're, we're providing you. I think you're right because clearly our career paths have been very different. I've been a service provider since day one, whether I was in commercial banking or investment banking or my own startups, it was a service provider kind of thing. You've worked for product companies and science companies. So great. You're easier to put in a box. Congratulations. But for everybody else that's going to ask us this year, what are you, what are you guys all about? What are you doing? Now you have an inkling as to what we're doing and why we're doing it. Yeah, no, I think it's, look, in the box matters, right? Like you want a brand, you want people to understand, you know, what you're talking about. I think that's, as people have kind of seen, we've, we've increased our writings and on those focus, you know, I mean, obviously one of the big things that I focus on as well here is the growth of the critical, the growth to create a critical mass in the bio sector here in Austin, which I think is really happening. We've done, you know, the Austin Next Live episode, uh, as many of you know, uh, or may not know, I just joined the board of Bio Austin CTX, you know, to really help kind of bring people together, drive those creative collisions. We, we had, you know, all those different types of networking episodes and questions about what does it mean to create these kind of communities? We had, you know, multiple discussions with Tom Singer from ATC. And so now time, I think, to put, you know, my money where my mouth is and now being part of that community and saying, okay, what, what are the things that we need? Because it's not just a hundred person happy hour, even though, you know, we just had BioBash and it was a great, you know, party, but there's, there's more to what we'll be doing over the next year. Absolutely. So welcome to a board slot. They're fun. They're different, but, uh, welcome to that. And, uh, looking forward to what's coming next. Yeah. But before we jump into 2023, let's kind of look backwards a little bit. And what what are some of the observations that you've had from either Austin or through the podcast of the last year? I think the biggest observation that I've made about Austin, and I'll go back now two years to when we arrived, is Austin is very dif different from other innovation ecosystems. And part of that difference is our resilience you look at what ha has happened here over the last year, and you look at what's happened here looking forward to next year. And we always say it as a, as, a, as a slogan, we're not the next Silicon Valley. Austin is nowhere close to the next Silicon Valley. It is very different. It is more resilient. It is more on an upward track than almost any other innovation ecosystem here in the United States. And you could make the same argument about it being, you know, even if, as, you, as you look around the rest of the world, the Londons, the Tel Avivs, the, the Parises, the Tokyos, the Singapores, and the rest. So, I mean, it's funny because one of my uh, favorite moments was when we had, you know, Roland Pena on to talk about that resilience. And I, I laugh because, you know, a little behind the scenes, right, is we always put together a discussion guide and, you know, helping kind of set up the questions that we're going to talk about in, in, in conversations. And I'd say of any episode we've done, the discussion guide was gone within 10 seconds. Absolutely. So two things. One, our data nerd isms were in full display. So go back and listen to the episode. You'll get a good laugh out of that. And secondly, 
in my work with early stage companies, I've said this a gazillion times to people. You come in there with your present, with your PowerPoint and your presentation, and the best thing that could happen is the listener, in this case, the investor, immediately starts asking you questions because they already know what you're going to say and they want to be, they want more. They want the detail. They want to drill down. And that's exactly what happened in our episode with Roland. We started talking about some of the data items and you'll hear him going back and forth. Yeah, let me show you this screen that I just came up with and that screen. And we published all the slides in with the show notes. So it was a very different episode and I think one of our better ones. Yeah, and I think what was really interesting about the data set out of that was the changing nature of Austin. One of the things that I think is a a negative trend for Silicon Valley is, I'm being overly simplistic here, but I think it is a almost a mindset monopoly. W- whether you want a consumer internet, wh- whatever you want to call that, Web 2, Web 3, but that seems to be the dominant industry and it's getting more so people in web three and crypto will maybe uh, disagree with my statement on this but as far as i can see most of the crypto companies in um you know in the bay area are in that kind of same social network consumer internet space again you have meta metaverse and all that kind of stuff coming out of there so it becomes a really big talent pool, it becomes a strategic direction, a capital pool is all that's going. Now, I know, obviously, they have life science, there's other things that are going on there. But that that dominance of, you know, the FANG companies or whatever you want to call them this week is they, they kind of change, it stifles some of the creativity, right? And we're having enough events. So back to kind of what Roland was saying, I remember the graphic was like the number of projects, companies that are thinking about moving here. And it was some huge percentage was like, 20% or something, I forget the exact figure, was automotive. And that was because, you know, you had Tesla move here and it had enough of an effect to really change the landscape, right? We had semiconductors, you know, years, you know, years ago, and then it kind of left a little bit and now is, is back in with, you know, the Samsung. And then it was funny when you, if you listen to the podcast in fall of last year, it was like, is Samsung coming? Is Samsung coming kind of situation? And now it's like, well, this one's coming, that one's coming. It was more of a shock when Micron didn't come than that they did come, right? Exactly. And that, to, to a large extent, I think, is a function of time. If you look at Silicon Valley, if you look at New York, if you look at Boston, their ecosystems have developed over long periods of time. The Boston ecosystem is much more oriented towards bio. The Silicon Valley ecosystem is much more oriented towards, I'm going to use the general term like you did, the consumer internet web one, two, and three, and the like. And over time, it was the center of gravity for that specific industry and attracted companies for that specific industry. And so therefore, you have that talent pool that you're talking about. Also, pre-pandemic, the whole issue of if you wanted an investment from a Sand Hill Road investor, you needed to be within an hour drive kind of thing, which has just been totally exploded over the last three years. Austin's unique character, in no uncertain terms, comes from the diversity of industries here. You talked about automotive, you talked about semi, you talked about the growing biosector. You haven't talked about rockets, right? You haven't talked about the entire space kind of orientation that we're building here down the street from Houston and NASA. You haven't talked about the military programs that are coming here with AF Works and Army Futures Commands, there are 
that even in, even in San Antonio, you have a huge medical military presence as well. I mean, that's, that's the other thing is the Texas Triangle, the Texas Biocorridor, but an actual super region. I know we had a bunch of people on that were talking about like the super Southeast or, you know, the heartland and uh, flyover country, whatever, whatever map you want to draw. And there are probably similarities that can be seen through these different groups. But, you know, and I'm sure someone wanted to correct me, but as soon as you cross state borders, then the question is like, okay, so both in the heartland and in the super Southeast, us and Nashville are both part of that. Outside of learning things and their similarities, what's the what's the big kind of connection point, right? Versus Texas actually has multiple large ecosystems that can collaborate within the confines of the single regulatory environment. I think California is the only other one that is currently constructed. Florida with, you know, Miami obviously being the, the main point, but then you have Tampa and some of these others growing could be that, but they're kind of, I think they're still at the small end, but there is this connectivity. I mean, when we had like, you know, Ben Lamb on, we talked about that they put their different talent in where the resources were, right? They needed wet lab space. So that was up in Dallas where Pegasus Park is. Their software and AI people were here, here in Austin. You can see that a little bit, the possibility of that is in California. And I will tell you as, you know, we came like, was in San Diego, new people in LA, new people in the Bay Area, but there isn't this kind of connectivity. There's actually, it's more of the inferiority complex. We're going to be just as good as the Bay and we want to be able to copy them and those kinds of things, which is a, a toxic mindset. Yeah. And I was going to say, it's all about the mindset. There is no doubt in my mind that Texas is unique. Corpus Christi, I think, is closer to northern the, the northern edge of South America than it is to New York City, mm. physically and mindset. Texas is, with the exception of Alaska, excuse me, the largest state in the union. That enabled us to have the Texas Triangle or the Texas whatever a four-sided item is going to be, you know, Dallas-Fort Worth is very different than Houston. Houston's very different than Austin. And I don't know if it's ever, ever going to become ASA. We have lots of reasons to think it will and lots of reasons and lots of people saying it'll never happen. I know you and I are going to go to a Spurs game here in Austin this spring. That's going to be really interesting to watch. And there's lots of issues that are, that are forcing the various parts of Texas to come together. At the same time, there's enough diversity and there's so much space that we just don't all look alike. And you have that if you look at the greater LA metro, different from the San Diego metropolitan area, different from the Bay Area. You just don't have that come together kind of thing. We used to joke that there was a fence in Pendleton between Orange County and San Diego County. There's more of the coopetition here. Like nobody from Dallas or Houston is going to be like, well, I want to be just like Dallas or Houston, but they'll work with them. So you, you're gonna, you have that, that superiority mindset. I mean that in a good way, you know, that our city is the best and, and all that kind of pride. Uh, but at the same time, understanding that there is this, you know, it's easy to kind of connect these points, you know, right now it's, you know, with zoom, it makes it easier in the time zone, obviously, uh, you know, plane trips are short driving is not so bad, 
if there ever is a high speed train, that becomes something interesting as well. Uh, kind of how do you get things kind of fast together? I also think we become an interesting model, and I think it's things that people are interested in. So in terms of what does the city or metro look like? So something that I find interesting looking at, and I'll open the, the black box of our data a little bit. Two of our most popular episodes are Cullum Clark and John Garrett. And the combination of those two is all about what is the nature of the city. We have, is it no longer the single hub monocentric downtown and everything feeds into that? Or is it more of these kind of polycentric, you know, lots of people in lots of areas and you have, you know, multiple downtowns or the 15 minute city, whatever you want to say. And, you know, I remember when we first heard about Colin Clark was on, he was on Freakonomics and talking about the same concept, but focused on Dallas, right? Obviously Dallas, Fort Worth, that megaplex, right? Is, is the epitome of what that type of environment could look like. But I'm seeing it now, obviously, more here. There was a stat I think we read, I read recently. It was like the percentage of people who live in Williamson County and work in Williamson County continues to go up. So how we approach a multi-hub city is something I'm really interested in wanting to explore going forward. And what what is the role of downtown? I keep seeing a lot of these, you know, uh, we, we want this space and that space and all this stuff in downtown. I think that that's great. That's fine. I'm not against downtown, but I want to have an understanding of who's it for? What is it? Is it mere, is it scale, right? Look, we're not going to get, you know, the country music awards in round rock, right? That's only going to happen in downtown, right? So trying to understand that interplay and how the different pieces fit together. Well, here's the interesting thing, and I would encourage everybody to go listen to both episodes because they, the two folks come to it from very different angles. John Garrett is the owner and founder of Community Impact. Community Impact is a series of hyper-local newspapers that are distributed to 100% of the mailboxes in each area, and he started out because he was in Pflugerville, and the work on the 45 wasn't being reported anywhere. That was at least the story he told. And now he's got, I think, 12, 15 editions here in Austin and another six or eight in Houston. And he's building up in San Antonio and he's building up in Dallas, Fort Worth and in in Arizona even. Colin Clark is the academic. Colin Clark looks at what's happened and tries to make sense out of it. I think the biggest issue that we've seen that's driving this multi-hub environment is the pieces of infrastructure that we have and don't have. And we can take a look at like, I think John's group is one of those pieces of infrastructure because I now can get, every time I see that newspaper, I'm going through it page by page to looking at things. Yeah. And not just at the ads, I look at them too, but I'm looking at the news. I'm looking at what's happening in where I live specifically. The other issue is with the rest of the infrastructure. We've heard things talking about when Samsung went to Taylor One of the issues was nobody could put together that size lot in Round Rock in Austin. In Dripping Springs, they had an issue because they have very, very specific limits on wastewater. And so they couldn't bring in a big fab that uses a lot of water. So we're going to need to focus in on that, those pieces of infrastructure that drive our ability to grow together even though we're growing as a region with multiple hubs, as opposed to a single thrust through the central business district. And that gets back to the critical mass question, right? Because if you've got 
companies in Georgetown. SpaceX is building out in Bastrop. You talk about Dripping Springs. There still needs to be, you want those creative collisions to happen. You want that community to happen. And so maybe that, maybe that is the answer. Like, okay, and the congregation point is downtown, right? You have the large events like, you know, like South by or, or, or whatever. Is there a digital component to that? You know, we've, or I've complained a lot about, you know, I'm on six or seven different Slack channels and most of them are very transactional. It's not anything that interesting in terms of, you know, if I need this or want that or service provider recommendation, sure, it's great. But actually driving any sort of discussions or interesting conversations, they're a lot harder to have. Well, that leads to the episodes we did on networking right? and the writings I've done on networking. And I think you and I and folks like Tom and other people that are promoting and developing groups are looking at what's the next model. You and I both are on Lunch Club, totally virtual, totally every, you know, I do it once a week, you do it two or three times a week, whatever. New, interesting people, and I've limited mine to Austin because that's where I want to meet people. And so I've been doing that now for two years. Tom is working on lots of great stuff with ATC. There are going to be different networking models that bring together people in different ways. Now, whether it's at, you know, whether it's downtown, whether it's in various different places. I mean, the Austin Forum, right? Jay's great group there, did their last big in-person episode at um, Austin Energy. And there was, you know, the tour there and everything else. I wish I had made it, but I couldn't. So that's kind of what's going on in terms of the networking group. Now, you mentioned three guys. You mentioned the Country Music Awards. You mentioned South By. And I don't remember if you mentioned, just mentioned the Moody Center and um, Colossus. Not Colossus. um, Consensus. Consensus. Too many cons there. There are, it looks like we are developing a reputation, well-deserved, for being a great place to have an event of scale. South by led the way. They've been doing this. The Central Business District becomes South by for that week and a half. And not only people in the Austin metro, but people from all over the world are going to be there. Consensus was the same thing. Well, yeah. And I think what's, what's really fascinating is in other environments, the conferences are kind of their own thing. They, they, they go versus Austin seems to imprint a flavor, an Austin flavor on that, right? It is this, this more festival environment. So I know like consensus created more, like, I think brought in live music. They wanted to be, they, they said they wanted to be more South by like, and I think the country music awards, the same thing when they announced it's not the two or three hour event. It's now a week long event. Exactly. It includes music. And so like, it's really an embracing of if you want a great event conference, whatever we want to call it, in Austin, there's the Austin way to do it. Exactly. You've been to large conferences. I've been to large conferences. I don't care if you're in New York, if you're in the Bay Area, if you're in LA, or even if you're in Vegas. I mean, I've gone to CES a couple of times, 75, 85,000 people going there. And it's all in the convention center and maybe two other hotels. It's not this street festival kind of environment that you see. It's and that's not to say it needs to be a street festival, but the point is, is that that's, that's the Austin flavor, right? That's the Austin way of doing it. And that 
brings back people more and more. One of the most surprising things that I heard was when, when um, F1 was at Coda, mm-hmm. that it was the equivalent of three Super Bowls right. each and every year. Right. And of course, when that data came out, then you had like ACL and South by, and that's the, you have these annual events that are just producing such a high level of economic impact and they're, and they're growing, right? Like the point we just talked about country music awards, I'm assuming it was not a one year contract that was signed. I'm assuming it's going to be here for at least a couple of years. Right. And so now like that's a week long thing, right? Every year for the next X number of years. That was the conversation that they were having. We're not going to be just an event. We're not going to be just the award ceremony in the Moody Center. Great. We set it up. We do the event. It gets televised. We're out and we're gone. This is going to be an event. This is going to be a festival. As, and part of the Austin community, which I think exactly. is, brings me to, I think, one of the big observations I've had over the last year. And I think the big, one of the biggest things that I've kind of changed my, my mind on. So we've seen lots of festivals, companies, people moving here. And I was initially annoyed with, I'd say, the groups of people that would come here and weren't being a big part of the, the ecosystem, right? I think I was being a bit quite judgmental uh, in this case and going overboard. But I've really begun to see there is almost two groups. And I think you do need two groups. It's not a negative on either, right? I'll give you examples from a company perspective and an an individual perspective, right? So company perspective, let's look at like Tesla and Oracle, right? So one group, and I'm going to put Oracle in this group from my observations, comes to Austin because of all of the positive reasons that you come to Austin, right? Good regulatory environment, great, uh, great talent, ability to grow, et cetera, right? And you're taking advantage of it and taking advantage and, and being part of it in that way. But as far as I've seen, you know, Oracle is not deeply entrenched in the ecosystem. We, you know, we got a, a tour of their, uh, of their campus. And if you didn't know where it was, you would never see it, right? You drive right past. It's, you couldn't see it from three, three blocks away. Right. So, and that's obviously great. Uh, and a lot of this, and I'll say this, a lot of this gets to me from, uh, if anybody's listening, I don't mean, was, was always Abbott, right? The, the, the life science company, Abbott, not the, uh, the governor, which I've gotten into issues before, like, well, he's around. <laughs> because I was always like, yeah, I've seen, you know, Abbott and the, I drive by their buildings, but I've never met anybody. They're not part of the ecosystem. So why, why are they not here, right? So, but they're here because of the talent. They're here because of, you know, all of, the, all of that. So that's, that's one group. And then the other side, I'll put something like Tesla, right? So Tesla came here. If you ever drive out, you cannot miss the, the Gigafactory. You kinda, if you fly in and out of Austin Bergstrom Airport, you're going to see the Gigafactory. <laughs> Which is a great thing, by the way. But it's that there, but then you know, with like the cyber rodeo, like they're very much a part of the Austin ecosystem. I mean, the whole point that everybody's talking about the assumption is Twitter, in some way, because now it's owned by Musk, will be in Austin because it's all part of Austin now. Like it's a very much engaged with the ecosystem. Well, the interesting thing is what Musk tweeted about the possibility of moving to Austin. He said, "If we open up a second headquarters in Austin." people will see us as being more balanced because we're going to be on the coast and in Austin. Right. And, you know, the ultimate, of course, in being involved in the Austin ecosystem is South by you've talked about this. And, and I thought it was very interesting as Hugh and the folks at South by were doing more and more things. You said, look, South by is becoming an annual year long event. 
they are in the community every week with something about South by. So coming from San Diego, where Comic-Con is the big event, right? And it's a huge, you know, obviously huge economic impact, huge, you know, uh, four day uh, piece. You wouldn't know that it's there except for like, you know, the five months before when you buy tickets and the week ahead when you're like, this is what's going to happen. You hear it on the news. It was really surprising to me. And, you know, we're going to have Hugh on again before, you know, South by this year. So I, wanna, I really want to dive into it with him is I, I've never seen it. Like it, it acts more like an organization than an event. Yes. Right? You see them sponsoring things, the panel picker, like the way they go about doing things uh, in terms of getting the content, being part of the community. It, it's just fascinating, which also creates the part of a, a season to the events, to the startup community that, you know, there, there seems to be an ebb and flow. And it was, you know, uh, you know, our good friend, Mark Nathan said, when we saw him at South by last year, he's like, this is my Super Bowl. And I, and I think that's actually an accurate representation of like, it's, it's the Super Bowl of the innovation community, the, you know, and that's, that's from my perspective. And obviously the music and film portions of it as well are huge and, you know, wanting to try to get more more eyes on that and be, uh, be more part of that than obviously in my, in my own little track. So, yeah, so I think, I think of Oracle and Tesla, I think of, you know, I, I, the other example I like to give is like Joe Rogan and Tim Ferriss, you know, I know Tim Ferriss is here. He moved here a number of years ago. I've seen him involved with South by, but don't really feel a sense of him being quote unquote, part of the ecosystem. Now I remember some interviews that he did. I think part of it, he came here to get away from some of the, uh, that in the, in the Silicon Valley. So then I'm not surprised a guy is achieving what he wants to achieve. Right. Versus, you know, Rogan came here and bought a comedy club and setting up, you know, so he's just, again, being part of that and being really part of the, the ecosystem. But I think you need both. And I think that that's the biggest change that I've kind of said. This is you need people who are here because the gravity's here because they want to be here because all the positives and then the people who want to build and really actually create part of the ecosystem. So, We've looked back a bunch now. I want to look forward to next year and some of the things. So I'm going to kind of walk through a little bit for everybody kind of thematically how we're changing and what we're looking at. And then, you know, we'll have, you can talk about what that actually means in practice, right? Got it. So one of the things that we've, we kind of looked back is we've been very observational. We've been very retrospective. I always kind of, you know, joke, um, you know, after we did the Bret Hurt episode, Sarah, my wife kind of came to me and said, so, so did you ask him the same questions you ask everybody? I was like, huh, are we kind of in a bit of a circle here and asking the like, what was Austin like when you were first here? What is it like now? How are your things? And I, I, I think we've expanded in the way that we've talked, but at least thematically, that's still been a lot of what we're, what we're saying. But I don't want to denigrate that work. Because we've been here 24 months. We started the podcast 18 months ago. And Austin, as welcoming as it has been and as wonderful as it has been to us on an individual personal level, still requires some work to understand. Right. And, and so I think that was critical. I think it was important. I think it was good for you and I personally. And I think it was good for our listeners, whether they were new to Austin or whether they'd been here for decades, because it was a synopsis of what Austin is. Yeah. So, so we've had those observations. And as we're kind of looking forward, 
into next year, I think we're looking at really two themes that are 